0: Clear my throat. Take a drink. All right. Look on my hands. Here we go.
1: Hey guys, here's what's coming up. Next week on May 24th, we will be talking about our favorite female characters. Then on May 31st we will be discussing our thoughts on Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, the third installment in the Harry Potter series. And don't forget, we have a Patreon now! Some of the perks include episode shoutouts, a monthly book-picking poll for a guaranteed episode, a spoiler-free miniseries, and even having us send you a book we're planning to do an episode on. We hope you'll consider supporting us if you can, and we're incredibly grateful to all of you for listening in every week. Thank you speaking of thank yous we want to send a huge thank you and shout out to our patron ronnie we hope you read a great book or six this week now on with the show welcome back to the book life
0: podcast with your host myself mo and not abby today today we are doing a podcast host swap with the literary Lushes, and my guest today is megan megan can you tell us a little bit about your podcast and where to find your episodes
2: sure can hi everybody I'm with Literary Lushes and we're a podcast that's been going for, I think, two years now. And you can find us on almost any podcast streaming services: Podbean, Patreon. We what we do is we usually pick a book. Lately, we've been doing a lot of series, so we're trying to step back and doing only a, a series a month. But then we make a drink to pair with the book, and so we'll have. The day before the episode airs, we air a how to make a certain drink to go with the book. And uh, sometimes we are lucky enough to actually have the authors come on our show with us and talk about their books with us.
0: Uh, And do they make the drink as well and drink it with you?
2: Most of them do. They love it. One of them, um, a young adult author, Angela Roquet, she used to be a bartender. So she actually will send us drink recipes and drink ideas for her books, which is nice.
0: That's really cool. That sounds like magical. Like, it sounds like a, like, I'm not super into like drinking or anything, but like, just to have like that personal touch with an author. And they're like, by the way, I was thinking about you and thinking about my book. And when you write ready to review it, here's
2: a drink recipe for you. And then sometimes like, we'll pick a drink based off a drink that's in the book. So like when we did the Babaverse series, mm, such a good series, they have coffee. And so like our first drink was like a coffee coffee styled cocktail. And then the next one, he talks about like a distillery rum thing that they have in space. So we did a rum drink. And then like this last book we did with him, his favorite drink is tequila. So we made a tequila version of something, um, which is pretty cool. And then because I am pregnant for the past 10 months, we've been doing uh, mocktails. So for people who, can't drink, don't want to drink or whatever, but still want to kind of have something that's fun to join in. We've been accommodating that way.
0: That is awesome. Well, I absolutely adore Babaverse books. I love Dennis E. Taylor and I am so glad other people are reading his books as well. Uh, So like Megan said, he's he's, such a nice guy. He is the sweetest guy. Yes. I reviewed one of his books on um, Instagram. His wife reached out to me and she's like, Thank you so much. Dennis was so happy to read your review. And just in case you don't know, there is another one coming. I'm like, oh girl, I'm ready. Like, let's do this.
2: (laughs) They are the sweetest.
0: Well, did you make a drink for Neverwhere or is your companion making a drink for this book?
2: Sam made it. I think it's a gin drink. I can't even remember what what it is and what's in it, but I just remember it being gin because she's like, oh, we have non-alcoholic gin. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, you're the one doing our podcast, so you get to make the drink and our, you know, I'll just sit back with my caffeinated beverage. <laughs> oh, you're fine.
0: I, I'm being bad and over here, I'm like, oh, I'm like, you did Southern um, Book Club's guy, to Slaying Vampires. That book was fascinating. Like,
2: that was such a great book and it caught me by surprise. It, it did start out a little slow. Like, I'm like, okay, are we going to get oh, yeah. to vampires? Like, I'm mm-hmm. so confused. Did I read the right book? And then out of nowhere, it's like, oh, oh, there you are. And then it just it completely went. nonstop. Yeah. yeah. Did you do the audio book or did you do a book book? The audio. And it was. So
0: oh, great. I know. Right. It was so good. I was so blown away by the voice acting. I was like, what is this? I decided to buy. I'm like, this was a great buy.
2: Thank you. I go back and forth if I either read the uh, hardcover or the audio, and that one I did audio, and I was so glad I did. It really was just one of the best audio books that I listened to, and you're right, because the voice acting was just phenomenal.
0: Oh, I agree. If um you have not listened to um, N.K. Jeminson's books, The City We Became, that was a fantastic audiobook. if you need another recommendation. She's very different. She's an African-American author, but it's focused in New York City, and you get to meet all of the stereotypes, the boroughs of New York City, and the voice acting blew me away. Like, cannot recommend that at, like, highest level recommendation for an audiobook. Wow. So Thank you. So today, we are going to talk about Network by um, Neil Gaiman, or Gaiman. I say Gaiman usually, if you remember earlier this year, we did a collaboration episode with the Badass Literature Society about Neil Gaiman's new book, The Sleeper in the Spindle. The book we're talking about tonight was printed in 1996. It's based off Gaiman's script for the BBC Ministries from that same year, which I remember watching as a young girl. I don't know how I watched it. <laughs> I, w- I would have been, I was eight and 96. I think I saw it when I was 10 on the sci-fi channel and thought, wow, this is great. And then I watched it again and thought, wow. <laughs> Still a good story, not as good special effects as I anticipated in the year 2021, but that's okay. Um, if you do want to watch it, it's available on streaming on Pluto right now for free. But Neil Gaiman is also the author of Good Almonds, which he co authored with Terry Pradgett, Stardust, American Goss, Coraline, Coraline, sorry, Annecy Boys, and many more. Um, Megan, could you take us through some Neil Gaiman fun facts?
2: Sure can. I don't think you already said this, but this is a fun fact that I know that I read. This was his first novel.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. That's awesome.
2: So I thought that was interesting. He was in a punk band called X... X's? He's X. X is X. I'm horrible yep. at pronouncing
0: names, so... You do. <laughs> it's going to be fun tonight. <laughs> um.
2: He has a talking cat that says, like, Mimi me, me, and like, hello, but in like, cat, I can't even.
0: Cat language. Yeah.
2: <laughs> he has rat figurines, a demon rat, a wizard rat, an angel rat, a vampire rat, and so many more rat figurines. Not sure why, but you know, there he has. Makes sense, actually, with this book. I'm like, yeah. I was like, oh, connecting some dots. He was—he loved them, rats. He was the rat worshiper, I guess. He loves to cook, and he wrote his first comic in 1976, and he's also a beekeeper, which is super important these days to make sure our bees are taken care of.
0: For sure. So a little bit more about this book. The summary for tonight is Richard Mayhew is a young man with a good heart and an Ordinary life, which is changed forever, when he stops to help a girl he finds bleeding on a London sidewalk. His small act of kindness propels him into a world he never dreamed existed. There are people who fall through the cracks, and Richard has become one of them. And he must learn to survive in this city of shadows and darkness and monsters and saints, murderers and angels. If he is ever to return to London that he knew. So, definitely, that summary captured me. Like when I read summary, I was like, Oh yeah, I want to love this book. This would be a great book.
2: You know, his books have the best summaries and you think this is going to be a book I really, really will enjoy. And, and for me, it tricks me. But anyways,
0: surprisingly, I have every adaptation they've made. I've been pleasantly pleased with uh, American Gods was weird, but American Gods was a weird book. Good Almond's, yeah. well, Good Almond's was great because David Tennant was in it, right? Yes. Yes, that's why it was great. Yes. So I had to make sure I had the right one. Mike's not Matt Smith. Matt Smith was in The Crown. just was David Tennant, so.
2: It was such a great show.
0: I love Stardust, the movie. That's one of my favorite movies to rewatch. I love Neverwhere, but the books definitely leave a little bit to left for me desire, but we'll talk more about some of those spoilers later could you run us through some of the characters that we encounter in Neverwhere?
2: And I'm sure I'm going to butcher most of these names because again, I'm great at that. And I've never seen the show, so I don't know their names and I'll say, I'm going to let you know, I butcher every single name on every single episode. So don't you worry. Oh, goody. I read somewhere that says don't make fun of someone who mispronounced words. They just they're used to silently reading and you know, mm-hmm. there's no way to mispronounce words when you're silently reading. But anyways, Richard Mayhall, he's um, the main character. He's a young man from London above who lives an ordinary life and does very, very ordinary things. Then there's Jessica. It's Richard's upscale fiance. Door, who I would say is our other main, main character, a young girl from the old London below whose family has recently fallen on Bad Times, the Marquis de Carabas.
0: Yeah, that's how I'd say it too, just like that.
2: He's a scoundrel rogue, a cheat, and he's the only person that door can turn to. Hunter is a fierce warrior who has hunted many great beasts in her team.
0: In her time, in her time, uh, someone wrote bad notes. I don't know who that was. Darn.
2: I was like, I don't think her team. I was like, I don't remember a team, but maybe I misremembered something, oh. but okay. And she hunted many great beasts in her time. Mr. Vandemar, uh, he's one half of the dangerous murdering duo um, who is trying to hunt door down. And the other half of that is Mr. Krupp. Yep. Nope, sure, that's perfect. sure that's horrible but he's the other half of that but yeah they just the two duos then there's is it Anastasia
0: I think it's Anastasia I feel like it's Anastasia that's what we're gonna go with because that's what it looks like
2: I was like I would say Anastasia but then I'm like but is it I'm sure that someone's gonna be like no it's like Anastasia's Oh, like her Charm-
0: Hermione, Hermione Laviosa.
2: Yeah, exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure somebody be like, "You're saying it wrong," and I'll be like, "Whatever." She's a young rat speaker who accompanies Richard on his journey, and Old Bailey, a rooftop dweller, a keeper of information, and dealer of birds. And this one is really bad.
0: I went with I went with Is Islington, like Islington. As all like that, or. Islington. I was like, is, I think it's is, Islington.
2: In my head, I would just call him Isley, Izzy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I like that too. We can call him Izzy all night. That's fine.
2: <laughs> it just, it just fit for some reason for me. Anyways, he's an angel in London below with the means to help door.
0: All right. So that is our main cast of characters. Thank you, Megan, for taking us through when we come back from our breaks. We are going to talk about our favorite characters, least favorite characters, our favorite scenes and least favorite scenes and our final thoughts. And as always, the second half will be all about spoilers because we're just going to ruin the plot because we're going to talk about this book and either lift it up or tear it apart. See what happens. Talk to you guys in a minute.
2: Hello everybody, I'm Megan, and I'm Samantha, with Literary Lushes, and we want to tell you about our podcast. Join us every other week as we dive into a sci-fi or fantasy novel, where we also drink cocktails inspired by the novel. We post YouTube videos of us making the cocktails. And a lot of the times, we even have the authors on, including Dennis E. Taylor, Marissa Myers, and even Angela Roquet. So join us, because you don't want to miss the podcast that's been described as not taking ourselves too seriously. And with that, we say, stay stay lively lively with with your libations. libations
0: welcome back everyone to the second half of the book live podcast we are going to talk about favorite characters least favorite characters and once again we are going to spoil everything and just a reminder i don't have abby here with me tonight instead i have megan from literary Lushes. megan can you start us off with um who are your favorite characters tonight um and
2: everywhere i actually liked richard a lot more than i think most people did i liked him just because of the sense in the beginning he was just kind of like comfortable with who he was and you know didn't feel he had to be more than he needed to be other than what Jessica forced him to do and then of course halfway through the book he starts to finally get his footing and I just felt like he had a heart of gold underneath like he was still willing to help a girl who was broken and I think that's why he was able to see her when other people would just forget about her as soon as they saw her Um, so yeah so I liked him I kind of liked Hunter in the sense that she was such a badass. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Her slaying beast was really cool. And then, um, oh, we already said spoilers. So anyways, uh, it hurt a little bit when she betrayed, but it also made sense why she betrayed. And then she still tried to come through in the end, which is cool. Uh, I did kind of like Mr. Kru- or Krupp and Vandermar a little bit. I liked their bantering back and forth sometimes. They had a a cute little dynamic. I say cute.
0: They had a good dynamic, that's for sure.
2: And you can tell, it almost, if you watch Umbrella Academy, it kind of reminded me, and I can't even think of their names now, uh, Chachi. And it's a Chachi?
0: Chachi and Honey? Yes. Yes.
2: It kind of reminded me of that a little bit. Yeah. Like, they've been working together for so long. They have this connection.
0: Or Happy. ChaCha and Happy? Whatever, yes. But no, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm with you on this one.
2: Yes, I know. People be like, why do you call yourself a fan? Listen, pregnancy brain makes you forget people's names. I can see their faces. Right? I'm with you.
0: I I know, I know. I'm with you.
2: So those were my most favorite characters.
0: Well, I definitely have to agree that Hunter was pretty awesome. I loved her entrance scene. I really liked when they had that Trial basically and she was like uh, you want to fight me really okay and just shuts him down I was like oh yeah like, that's my kind of character right there um mm-hmm. I also appreciated like there wasn't a lot of description in it and i have become more cognizant about when people are describing my like, skin tone and everything but just talking about her caramel skin and how different she looked and how tall and strong mm-hmm. so I was like oh, I'm good with this and I liked her because she was strong and interesting and just a badass. And even the betrayal, like, I understood. It was like, ooh, I'm mad at you. But I didn't know why you did it. I'm really mad at you for doing that. But then, like you said, yeah. she came through at the end. I was like, okay, well, I forgive you because now you're dead. Eh, that <laughs> happens. I really liked Dor. There's a only one part where I was kind of like, kind of stupid, where she just kind of left Richard and said, peace out, good luck. Yeah. But she's also young. Like, I feel... I can't remember how old she was, but she felt she had to make a do- adult decision as a young adult, like maybe a 16-year-old. And so she was leaning very heavily on the marquee. And I was like, oh, girl, like, I feel so bad for you. Just lost all your family and trying to figure out how I to, yeah, realize. try to avenge them. And then towards the end where she's like, I guess I won't see you again. I was like, oh, oh, Lord, I feel so bad for you. But I loved how she um, pricked. Oh, is Islington? There we go. I loved how she tricked Islington at the end and she's like, Yeah, I'm gonna open the door for you. Like, I didn't. It's here. It's in this great place that's totally not
1: happening Here you go. Flying
0: light. Gone. And then the marquee, I did not like in the beginning. And I was like, Oh, what is this guy? He's kind of a dick. <laughs> and then after he died, I was like, Oh, okay. I'm like, You're not as much of a dick as I thought. And then he kind of grew on you. And then. Gosh, I can't remember like what really cemented it for me, but I think it was at the floating market on the ship, like right before where he was with like on the wall with old Bailey, the old London Wall. And I was like, Oh no, actually I like you. Never mind. We're okay with this. But, and then I was for like the whole three chapters Anastasia was in, I really liked her. Like Yeah. She was so She's sweet. Tragic- I know. She's like this a tragic side character and I'm like oh you're so sweet and Richard got so attached to her but she was still rememberable memorable you know and that really that really stood out to me
2: yeah I was kind of I was like oh really that's where we're going with that we're gonna kill her oh, okay that's what we're doing
0: I don't know about you but I felt like I'm like are they gonna bring her back but it kind of felt like maybe she's not gone like they kind of alluded that she's not gone and I was like where is she and then I kept waiting for like her to like like I thought maybe we were going down to Down Street and um, Lumia was there, uh, which is called like the velvet creature thing that was there for a hot second. I'm like, maybe she'll like manifest going down this thing or in the labyrinth. No, it happened. <laughs> Disappointment. Didn't like that part. All right. Well, what about your least favorite characters? Who Who did you not enjoy as much? Jessica.
2: Jessica times so much. <laughs> I know people are probably like, oh, but it's just, no, she drove me nuts. Like, I get what she's coming from about, like, trying to push, you know, Richard into doing things. But at the same time, like, he's your fiance. If you know what you're getting into when you get engaged with someone, if you know he's not the kind of person to move, don't get mad when he doesn't move. Like, stop trying to change people. I don't know. She just drove me nuts with her constant, you know. And then just the fact that she didn't see Dora. And then when she did see Dora, you know, the second she looked away, she completely forgot about her all over again. And then she got so mad, like, oh, you're going to take care of this girl that's hurt over going out with the bosses and got so upset about that. And, you know, just getting mad at him doing the right thing. But then again, she forgot about the girl. And that just showed me her true character, that she was
0: Mm -hmm.
2: too self-involved to notice the real things that mattered, which is what I saw the underworld as is things that matter, where everything else above is superficial. It's kind of like your skin. You know, you're worried about the what's showing rather than what's on the inside. Yeah. So that's how I really took that book. And <laughs> that's the why that's why I hated Jessica. I was like, you're annoying. Go away. You rich little B word. Yeah.
0: Go away, Jessica. We're done with you. I completely felt the same way. And then when she came back again at the oh. art show, I was like, oh Jessica, go away. In her little um what was it, Clayton Clarence, her, her little lackey as well? Yeah. I was just like, no, Jessica. Like, like,
2: yeah. bye. I don't want anything to do with you. Go away. And then when she I'm came... Like, you can do better.
0: And then when she came back at the very end and gave Richard back his ring, I was like, I'm like, Richard, if you take her back, I'd be so pissed at you.
2: I didn't really like, like Izzy. I'm still calling him Izzy. That's fine. Mostly That's because either. I knew he was a bad guy before they even announced
0: it. Ooh. how'd you get that vibe
2: it's just something that I I just had this feeling I don't know I'm I'm really bad at this it drives Samantha nuts because I did this in another book we were reading I was like yeah he's gonna totally be the guy that's just the jerk that turns on everybody but I just felt like I was like "Mm, I think he's just trying to use her for his own personal gain and he's gonna completely like you know, turn on everybody and I feel like he's the one who's setting all this up because I mean you get introduced to so many characters and you have to pick who's the one who's hiring these people they're not just going to be like oh by the way here's this random character you've never met before that's really running the show so you have your options and that's how I <laughs> kind of go through how I pick who it is it's like this guy's too obvious to be the bad Like, oh, you're like you're too too obvious and you're not obvious enough and then this guy he's too friendly and he's an angel and he's this and this just seems like the more shocker value i know way See,
0: i w- i thought it was the marquee because when he went down to the hospital he was waiting for um Vandamar and croup and i was like oh i'm like no i'm like you really you hired them and then a few chapters later, i'm like oh no you really did not hire them when he was dead i was like oh well oh, i'm sorry i made that assumption about you didn't mean to. <laughs> That's where I went. It, it, I feel. I feel
2: like he was like the red herring. Like you think it would be him because he's so, you know, extra secretive and this and that. And you're just like, okay, you've got hidden secrets. You're you're up to something. And he <laughs> is just not what you. think. So uh, I guess those are really just my two main ones that I wasn't a huge fan. I mean, door had. Her moments where I felt really bad for her, but then at the same time, I just just kept getting mad at her, I don't know, her, uh, her willing to believe everything. Although at the end, she's wised up. So I did like that. Like, she's like, listen, I'm going to make a fake key and it's going to go to or the. But in the beginning, I was like, oh, you're too naive, Chica. I need you to,
0: need you to wise <laughs> you gotta grow up a little bit faster. Come on, kiddo. I know you're just,
2: I'm just like, I'm like your family just got murdered and you were left alive. I I think you need to wonder why.
0: Something else is going on here.
2: Yep. So, and then it would have been different if it was like a normal child in my mind, but she is part of this family that opens up doors and opens up things. And her dad's even training her and he's like, you know, our family is this special family and she knows that her family's special. And so I just feel like growing up like that, you tend to already have grown up a little bit and also been weary about people (laughs) using you. Yeah, I get that. So that's why it's, so she kind of grew on me later. But I mean, if I had to pick a third, that would be mine.
0: You don't have to, you can pick as many or as little as you like, no requirement. (laughs) So which one were yours? Well... You mentioned, too, I was a huge non-Jessica fan. Like, can't tell you how much I disliked her as I read about her. And I'm like, you are the most god-awful human being in this book. Please stop. Please go away. And then, like, when Mm -hmm. she ghosted Richard, I was like, thank thank you for ghosting him. Because, I mean, like, we understand now that the magic of London Below is what averted Jessica's eyes and everything from, you know, having her help. But she still was just so... Terrible, you know she's like mm, no I'm good and then just going back through like the art show and then her last scene at the end I was like nope you have no redeeming factors you are welcome to leave this book goodbye
2: bye Paris Hilton and,
0: yep pretty much <laughs> and then is Izzy the angel like so disappointed I was like I'm like this is the villain I was like okay I guess I you know I was like I guess we'll go with this one as the villain. He just didn't. I was just just like, okay, I wasn't excited about this villain. Like some books you read have like super amazing villains that you're really excited about. You're like, yes, this is the best evil character ever. And I'm just like, all right, this is my villain. Okay. Like I was just, I just had feelings of blah towards him. And I was just like, well, yeah. he brought me some comedic relief that I will discuss in the uh, next favorite scene part. But otherwise, I was like, I can pass on this as my villain. And but I don't like Vandemar and Croup very much. I, I don't like grotesque stuff. Like I felt like there were things written where I was kind of like like cringy. I was like, oh my god, that's terrible. A few of them. Just when um, Vandemar, Vandemar was like bringing the pigeons to him, and then he picked one up and like bit his head off. I was like, oh oh my god! I'm like we're having like an Ozzy
2: Osbourne moment with bats in a book. Great,
0: sounds fantastic. Yeah, yeah.
2: I feel like. Sometimes Gaiman loves to do the shock factor in his books. He's like, what can I put in there that'll make people be like, oh, this is where we're going. Definitely,
0: definitely got that vibe with them. And yeah, just I disliked it for being awful people. And yeah, Izzy was just a boring, bad character. And the other two were just too grotesque for me to enjoy as a good character. And I was kind of like, oh, you are awful. So that those two were good villains. Like they were ones that I was like, yes, you are villainous. You are perfect. Thank you for being here. Now go away.
2: Stop eating
0: that hmm. or stop eat, ripping heads off of things and eating. Yeah. Um <laughs> random crap. Yes, please. But what about favorite scenes? Like when you were reading this, were there anything that stood out that you're like, that was really well written or just a great visualization, great characterization, great conversation, any kind of station you could think of?
2: So I read this book like two years ago. So I did uh, brush up on it a little bit, but there were scenes that I remembered So I'm going with those would be my favorite scenes just because they stuck out so much. And one of them I've, and then I went back and found them in the book. So the main one was the dreams that they, that door and Richard were having, especially door about her father teaching her how to do the padlock and talking to her about how everything wants to be open. You just have to let it open and, you know, I just thought that was a neat quote and saying like, everything wants this, like the universe wants you to do this. You just have to let it. And it just seemed to fit very well with her character and a lot of the things in this book, like the underworld wanted Richard to see. And so once he saw he, you know, and then eventually he didn't want to unsee it anymore. He wanted to keep seeing it. So the dreaming's, Sequences were um, one of my favorites, as well as um, when the Marquis was talking to Croup and Vander. Where would it go? Is, uh, Vandermeer, Vandermeer, and he's like, "Okay, well, I'm going to ask you three questions, and you give me three answers, and you give me a head start." And they're like, "Okay, sure, go for it." And he's like, "The first question: Who are you working for?" And he's like, "Oh, that's an easy one for our employer who wishes to be anonymous." <laughs> I'm like, "This." not an answer but it's an answer and it counts and so then the second one was, the second one was why did you kill door's family it was like it was orders from our employer like to just an answer yeah simplest answers and I remember laughing at that going I mean it counts and then and then the third one was why didn't you kill door when you had a chance to like well because we need her alive and they were just such smart ass answers that I they they really made me laugh out loud because and if you knew my husband and his family, it's very much how him and his brothers interact with each other. And so it's just something that I could see me asking them and them being like, well, that's my employer and he wants to stay anonymous. So there you go. (laughs) And you're like, that's
0: not what I asked you, seriously.
2: (laughs) I'm like, come on, it's a short side note. When um, we went to find out the gender of my baby, they were like, okay, cool. So we need him to move his legs more to see, you know, the baby needs to move the legs more so we can see. And so I go, come on, baby, just move your legs. And the baby tightened his legs rather than opening them. And because I didn't, you know, wasn't like open your legs more, he, so he did what I asked, Mm -hmm. he just did not what I wanted. And so it's very similar to that scene being like, I'm asking these questions, but you're not giving me what I'm really asking. what I want. So those were my two favorite scenes i love it
0: i though the battle with the beast was very short i thought it was a really good twist of a scene like you all the build up for hunter she's ready to go she's got the spear she did her portrayal she's gonna fight this epic beast she's fought all these other beasts and she makes one small mistake and it just kicks her basically and she's down for the count and she can't recover from it and she's like Listen Rick, you got to take care of this nonsense. And he's like, uh, she's like, you know how to use a spear? And he's like, Ugh. she's like, the blunt end, don't hold that in. And he's like, I know how to use a spear like that. Seriously, come on. <laughs> and she's like, okay, well, get to it. And then just seeing that reversal of the underdog taking on this epic monster and being able to kill it, and then Hunter going, hey, you did it. Like, take my knife and wipe the blood off and, you know, put the blood on your what is it mouth in your eyes and you'll be able to get to where you need to go and he's like ew but okay I'll do it and I love that that was like just I was like this is what I needed throughout the whole novel because honestly that last fourth of the book was really good like I like I was trudging through this book this book was just kind of boring like I don't don't know
2: took a minute
0: yeah I don't know what it was about it but I was kind of like Okay, yeah, this is interesting. Okay, so Richard feels sorry for himself, and Richard's trapped in this underworld, and, okay, Dora's trying to figure out who killed her parents. That's kind of interesting. Okay, let's read about her. Oh, now we're back to these crazy duo murdering Eden- eating bird crap. Great, okay. But then, like, then the plot started moving the moment I felt like the marquee came back to life. Mm-hmm. Like, starting from the London Wall and that last floating market, to the end going down the down street stairs into the labyrinth I was like oh I could have like read this whole portion right here and been really happy with this yeah and then and then I love that Richard got what he wanted he got his life back and he lived it and he's like wow this actually isn't what I want and then he had that self-realization like I can do more I can be more let's do it and this you know Carves a new door into the wall, and there's the marquee, and off they go back for an adventure.
2: Yeah, which just makes me believe more that he was he was okay with not doing a lot in the like in the beginning of the book where he was like, yeah, I'm content with this, I'm content with that, because he was con- he didn't care about improving this uh, superficial. Like I really thought of the above as superficial. Everything that happened above is superficial, and then when he saw the stuff that really matters. He was like, okay, now I want to care. Now I want to do things. Now I want to do more because this stuff matters, whereas before it didn't. So, which you saw, like you said, at the end, he started being more like, let's go. Yeah.
0: I love how you describe that. The, that London above is superficial and London below is more the real things, the real tangible things that really matter. And then I found one comedic scene that I highly enjoyed is the fact when door opens the fake door to I'm gonna call it the black hole. I don't know what the crap it was. (laughs) And you had this imagery of the angel at a 90 degree angle like holding on to a bar. I mean like classic I'm being stuck into a portal kind of uh imagery. And then he's like stop please and he begs and she's like "Mm, no and out he goes into it. I'm like goodbye you crappy villain but then you also have Croup holding onto Vandemar, like onto his like tail And he's like, literally holding it onto him by his tail, coattails or whatever you call it. And then they rip and he gets sucked in. And Vandemar's like, well, hmm. Kind of shrugs, says bye and just let's go to join his partner. And I'm like, I'm like, you were in a good, good position, buddy. Like you were fine. And he's just like, oh, well, bye-bye. <laughs> he's like, oh, this is, that was a excellently written scene right there.
2: Yes. Yeah, the the second half of the, the fourth, last bit of the book was a lot better, I feel like, than the beginning. But again, with Gaiman's stuff, I feel like a lot of his books are like that, where they take a while to start. And I think that's just because he likes to set up a lot of extra stuff, a lot of extra scenes, a lot of extra details and when you finally get to the action parts, it just gets more going and he doesn't spend so much time detailing things that you don't find useful. So that gets to my least favorite scene. Uh, it's more of the the beginning bit.
0: The beginning three-fourths of the book, no.
2: Yeah, uh, I think it was like, just when they met Dor, I was frustrated. Uh, I think I had a lot of that had to do with Jessica. And then also the fact that her name was Dor, at the beginning drove me nuts. I was like, "What? Like, is this a door? Like, wait. Oh, wait. No, this is a person. Oh, okay." And then, because I remember in the the very very beginning, where he goes, he's in you know talking to the psychic about going to London, and she's like, "Oh, you know, talking about you're going to encounter door and blah blah blah." And he probably thought I was like a door, like an object, mm-hmm. and so yeah, just felt like that scene in the beginning was just slow and I'm like okay can we just like I get that people don't see her and you're the only one who sees her and you're gonna take her back and it's gonna be confusing and you're gonna be like what but like can we like speed this up just a little so it was just my least favorite just because I felt like it was a little dragged out a little wordy for me
0: I can definitely agree with that I think in general I guess like I, I didn't like any of the Vandemar and croup scenes especially when they were torturing people or eating different things I was like you all just need to calm down with this like this is like the gross factors too much like that's why I don't like Stephen King or Joe Hill stuff I I just like I'm like no too much cussing, too much grossness you just keep that just make a tv show and I'll watch it thank you but I was like okay I definitely have a type which is don't gross me out in my books except for like we talked about the southern guys for slaying vampires that has some like gross scenes in it but it wasn't like this I don't know, like, if a southern accent just made it softer and happier that maggots were crawling out of somebody's eyes at some point. It also helps that they were oh, eating
2: these things. That, eating, the eating has a completely different thing. Like, when I'm watching something and they're eating something that's gross, I'm like, nope, and I'm out. But, hey, you're a vampire. Drink of blood is fine.
0: That's not, not a problem.
2: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's fruit punch fine
0: and then i hated i just hated the scene with Jessica in the beginning i thought she was i'm like why do you love her she's awful Stop saying you love her like i'm sorry but for one she getting she gets mad at you when you call her jess i'm like what's your issue like it's a nickname. you call you all know, most people call their partners by some kind of nickname is the term of endearment Yep, she was the worst they were a bad couple they didn't like doing things together like he just did everything she
2: I actually knew a couple who was really much like this and I'm not even kidding. And like the, they got engaged and he was paying for everything and he didn't even have a lot of money. He worked for a nonprofit. So he really was broke as it was. And then she decided to book a non-refundable flight to New York with her best friend. And she paid for her and her best friend. So they could go dress shopping in New York. And then she turned around and called him and says, hey, by the way, I can't pay my cell phone bill. Can you pay it? And like- Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, um, what are you doing? And, and so, and then he also said like, oh, you, like about me and my husband, he's like, you guys are so cute. You guys are always doing things together. I'm like, well, don't you and your fiance do things? He's like, no, she gets mad when, you know, if I try to like hug her in public or if I try to hold her hand or, and I'm like, um, okay, that seems-
0: You're like, let's have some coaching about relationships. It's like, if that's what people don't like PDA, that's okay. But, well, and he
2: liked it. Like, he was like, oh, I love what, you know, having affection shown, but she hates it. And I'm like, okay, but that just seems like you're not connecting then. If you're both are on, like, if they both disliked it, that makes sense. But it was one Mm -hmm. liked it and one didn't. And something like that I felt like was really important. So that their relationship reminded me of that.
0: It's bad. Sometimes it's bad when your book life and your real life mesh right in the middle and you're like, oh, cringe. So much cringe in there. That's probably why I didn't like Jessica. I was like, you're dumb. Go away. You're like, I know you in real life. Please go away. Yeah. And then I I didn't like when he got across the night bridge and Anastasia wasn't there and just that Mm. unknown factor, like You know, he had the crystal bead of hers that she was so proud of because he found it on the ground and then she was just gone. And I kept waiting for her to come back. And the fact that she never came back, even though it's hinted that maybe they're not gone all the time, per se. And then I held out for that sequel. Right. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to happen. We'll see how that goes. No, but maybe a fan fiction. Mm, I could use a fan fiction. But I, I, in general, I loved the the world was really good, Like The world building I was very pleased with. I was quite interested in a lot of the characters. But I, it was just the action was boring. So I think a fan could really take this and roll with it and make an excellent fan fiction.
2: Yeah, especially since he went back and there's a lot more to explore and do and see. I feel like even though it was a, a bit of a longer book-ish, I feel like he didn't, dive too much into what could have been more for some of the characters mm-hmm. if that makes any sense I know I'm like Connor Dick, I'm like he wrote too much I'm like he didn't write enough like
0: uh, he, it, he wrote it, a lot about like Dor and Richard but then yeah. like we could have explored more about the Marquis and his backstory we could explore more about old Bailey who was quite a comical character coming in like like there are other portions that we could have spent more time on and some of them just like all right yep you beat this dead horse next yeah for sure so what's your closing thoughts how many stars would you rate this book
2: well interesting enough it was I think it might have been actually the first Neil Gaiman book I ever read and I read it for another book club that I was in Um, At the time, it was one of the most interesting books that I had read because it was like the first kind of that kind of book. Like it was before I started diving into more of these kind of books. And so at the time I gave it a four, but then when I went back and was like, you know, rereading it very quickly, I was like, oh yeah, now I remember. Um, (laughs) I probably would give it like a three out of five. It was, it still had a pretty interesting story. The themes were really neat. Some of the characters were good it was a little more wordy than I like my books to be. I don't know if my time is just getting more and more like precious. And I'm like, I don't have time for all this extra BS crap. I just want to get to the good stuff and like already be either in the action or having funnies or whatever.
0: Or something, just not, are we there yet? Like, I hate books that you're thinking, are we there yet? Like, I should not be thinking that about the plot (laughs) ever. The plot should be right there. So it's just,
2: and we've read- I think this is the third Neil Gaiman book that um, I've read for podcasting. And as I keep reading more and more of his books, I'm finding out that I don't think I'm that much of a Neil Gaiman, Gaiman fan as I originally thought I was. So I just thought that was interesting that um, that's where I'm heading with him. So I don't know if it just means that I'm just getting burnt out and I need to palate cleanse with a cheap, janet ivanovich stephanie plum novel or what but i think he's just getting a little heavy for me lately
0: yeah i would say i would definitely concur with the three out of five stars like this was not my favorite book ever i felt like if i hadn't had to read it because abby has scheduled this that i would not have finished this book so thank you abby <laughs> my best friend who pushes me to keep reading books uh i don't think i gonna reread it ever again i i loved the show i still like the show even the special effects are god awful because it's 1996 who cares like mm, like tv sci-fi that's my jam but for being one of the most famous sci-fi fantasy authors of the modern era i'm not a Neil Gaiman fan i I much rather watch Mm. his adaptation like any of his books I mean, he writes really great, compelling stories, but I would rather watch them than read them, which I'm usually not that kind of person. There's very few things I like. I mean, there's some book adaptations, and I'm like, wow, like, this is hands down awesome. Like, The Help was fantastic. I love Crazy Rich Asians for movie adaptations. But, like, then stuff comes out, like, Ready Player One. I was kind of like, I'm not really fond of you as a movie adaptation. Like, you're a good movie, but... Please get away from the book.
2: Not just kidding. Yeah. And I think with him, it's like when we were reading the summary, all of his books, the summaries sound amazing. Like American Gods, it sounded like right up by a wheelhouse of a book that I would just absolutely love. And I couldn't finish it. I really couldn't. And I felt so bad. I'm like, this is something I would love to read. Why am I not loving this? And it then I started watching some of the show and I'm like, this is so much better. And it's almost like he writes better for television and movies
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it could be because he put so much detail in it that when they do the movies they,
0: they, they know translates. exactly what they need to do oh. yeah well this book yeah. originally so he didn't write the book first the screen the, the script came first so and then he wrote this as an adaptation and added more details and i'm like oh you could have left out some details it's fine <laughs> you need that
2: just, so that's how i feel about his books lately it's just been like yeah, you, you, it, it almost reads more like a textbook sometimes. Yeah.
0: Sounds like, have you read the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Meyer? Yes. I was going to say, I'm like, sounds like you need some YA fantasy. Something just candy. You just read it real fast and you feel real good about yourself because you read it. Yep. I, I do too. That's what going to go read next. All right. Well, <laughs> uh, I think that's it.
2: Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really had a great time. And I hope uh, our uh, co-host partners also had a good time on Literary Luscious. I'm curious to hear their take on Mm -hmm. the book. Samantha tends to like those more heavier books than me. so
0: It's okay. I know exactly what Abby's going to say. And I know if she had been here with us, it would have been us versus your co-host of you like this book really because this book sucked.
1: Oh my God.
2: That's so funny. We paired off perfectly then.
0: Well, thank you again for talking with me tonight. It was so great. Everyone, please make sure you look up Literary Lushes. Again, it's on Spotify. It's on Podbean. It's on Apple. I mean, just everywhere. Go out. Check it out. It sounds excellent. Go make a drink and take a listen, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. Bye.
1: If you liked what you heard today and want to help us spread the book love, drop us a rating or review on the app you use. Or share the episode post on your preferred social media. Everything helps. You can also check out our Patreon for some awesome perks, like access to our miniseries, a monthly guaranteed episode poll, and much more. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter under the name The Book Life Podcast. If you'd like to contact us directly, you can email us at thebooklifepodcast at gmail.com. The song is Theme for an Unmade Anime by C8 Benoit from their album Dominique. You can find them on Instagram at C underscore A underscore B-E-N-O-I-T. That's C-A Benoit. And on Spotify under their name, Katie Benoit. Thanks for listening. Till next time.